Greetings and welcome in for mile 54 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. As always, you can contact the show at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. As we deal with postponements and cancellations of spring races from local 5Ks to the Boston Marathon, we keep hearing the same question. How should I train with no races on the calendar? So Benji and I compiled our best advice, complete with some specific workout ideas to help you turn this into your best base phase ever. Before we get into the meat of this episode, let me start off with a caveat about our guidance. As much of the country begins reopening, we realize some of you may be in places where training is still difficult or not advisable. So our best base phase ever plan is targeted for people who are healthy, able to run solo or in a small training group, and located in areas where training is appropriate under local guidelines. In this time of racing uncertainty, why lament the lack of races and let that reduce your motivation? Why not instead take this as an opportunity to be more prepared than ever when you do eventually get on a start line. On this program, we frequently harp on the long-term nature of our sport. And all of us who race realize it takes months and years to reach our potential, not days or weeks. So why not do the things now when you are freed from the burden of a race date imposed training cycle that will help you reach new heights you may not have otherwise achieved. Accordingly, we've identified five key areas for focus in the coming weeks and months, and we'll share more detailed thought on each. First, work on skills that are valuable regardless of the time of year. Next, pivot to appropriate strength activities. Third, reflect on your weaknesses and address those. Fourth, there is no rush. Prioritize recovery. And last, read, research, and listen. In sum, do all the little things that aren't so little, yet that we often ignore, and you'll be a better, healthier, more successful athlete. Since these are all really intertwined, let's start with base phase skill development and roll from there. Your base as a distance runner is largely rooted in aerobic development. And for many of us, this is our greatest limiting factor. The simplest way to improve your aerobic capacity is through more volume. Higher mileage, done right, yields a better ability for the body to circulate red blood cells and carry oxygen to your muscles, a central aspect for success in endurance sport. But what does more volume look like in practice during this time of training uncertainty? I believe it is most significantly connected to consistency. What if instead of running three days a week, you ran four? Or what if instead of all those times you got up ready to lace up your shoes, then quit because the rain started? or you felt like you were in a rush with too much to do. 
Or if instead of following Benji's traditional path of training well for a month, then disappearing for the next month, you stuck to a plan for the entirety of the upcoming summer. It may not even mean adding a lot of miles to your routine. Instead, even a slight increase, consistently practiced, may net big results. Anyone can run a good week. The question is what will you do all the way through this indefinite base block? And while substantial mileage increases over a short period of time can be risky for injury, research suggests that a wise increase in load actually serves as injury prevention. You are better preparing muscles, joints, and ligaments for the pounding of long or fast races. So to be clear, I'm not telling the person who's run 20 miles a week you immediately need to jump to 40. But if you can slowly work your way to 25 or 30 over the long term, it could be greatly beneficial. There is no better bang for your buck when it comes to aerobic development during your base than the long run. Whatever long run means to you, get out and do it. Keep running your long runs. Let's say you are a three or four hour marathon or hoping to qualify for Boston. Getting out for maybe 12, 14, 16 miles once every seven to 10 days can improve your running year round, not just in the few months before your scheduled race. And it doesn't need to be anything special or a hammer pace. Simply going long brings you myriad benefits, mitochondria and capillary development, mental toughness, building confidence, allowing you to start setting realistic goals for longer races, and more. I encourage you to check out our earlier episodes, miles 11 and 12, for more on marathon and half marathon specific long runs. If you're looking for workouts, nothing lays the foundation for later improvements in power, form, and efficiency like hills. Hills build skills. All right, let's get into a few example hill workouts you can use almost any time of the year. I divided these by the length of the hill. First are hill sprints. These are 8 to 10 second maximum uphill efforts. Since you can't really run at maximum velocity on an incline, these aren't truly pure speed efforts but they are mechanically safer than running hard on a track. Plus, you'll develop strength, efficiency, and explosivity. We recommend using a hill in the 6-8% to grade range and getting complete recovery in between reps. An optimal setup might be a short hill up to a level field where you can jog easy for 2-3 minutes on the flat surface, then down the hill and repeat. A nice part of using a loop setup is you can get in your easy mileage for the day in between the hill reps. If a loop like that isn't possible for you, just try slowly walking back down the hill you are sprinting to allow for proper and complete recovery. You could use hill sprints weekly during your base, and as you develop and improve, you might work up to as many as 8 to 10 reps. 
Next are short to medium length hills. These are the traditional length most of us think about with hill work, and maybe we have experience with these from track or cross country. These often range from 20 to 60 seconds. The grade here can be slightly less steep than your hill sprints. I've always envisioned as ideal for this type of work an exit ramp off the highway. Just imagine what that grade looks like. If you're a local runner here in the upstate, my favorite recommendation for short to medium hill work is the stretch up North Main in downtown Greenville between Park and Stone Avenues. Your pacing on this type of hill may vary. At the shorter end of this range, I think about mile effort, while if I'm running a minute uphill, I'm more likely to think 5K effort. But that can evolve over time. So, for instance, if we were going to plot this out over a series of weeks using a similar hill, you might begin with 8 times 60 seconds uphill. It's a very valuable and challenging base phase workout. You could do each of those reps at 5k efforts with an easy jog back down the hill for recovery. So, any of the hills in this range would recommend a jog down recovery. As that workout progresses over a number of weeks, you might eventually move to 10 times 60 seconds uphill at 5K effort. Or alternately, you might continue with eight by 60 seconds, but create a faster, more powerful effort by using 3K effort. A third option, would be to continue with the same 8 by 60 second hills, still done at 5k effort, but notice that you are covering more ground with the same or less effort. This is also a positive sign of growth. Doing the same workout but with less exertion can be a really valuable confidence builder in your training. And these are the types of hills that can be done almost anywhere. Don't tell me there are no hills around you. I've lived on the beach and used a bridge to the mainland with the perfect pitch for a 25 to 30 second burst at 3K effort. And I've seen plenty of reservoirs with hills up to the dam and otherwise flat rural areas of the Midwest. Or, as much as I disdain running indoors, another option is setting that treadmill incline. Finally, for hills, you have the long hill. Uh, these might be anywhere from two to four minute efforts. The grade can be the same as our previous hill variety or even slightly more gentle. I love these as strength work in preparation for a marathon cycle or a cross-country season. In fact, one of my favorite early prep cross-country workouts is three to four times, three to four minutes gradually uphill at 10K effort. And I think 10K to half marathon effort is the right zone for getting the appropriate work here. This then serves as threshold development work as well. Be creative with your hill workout combinations. There are limitless permutations you can develop here. If you have a hilly loop nearby, just turn those into a circuit. 
One of my all-time favorite hill workouts was on a 1,500-meter figure-eight dirt loop near where I used to live. Running one direction, you could get a fast 10-second hill, traditional 20 to 25-second hill, and a snaking 40 to 45-second hill in each loop. Or going the opposite way, you had two longer gradual climbs. Either way, you had plenty of jogging recovery between inclines, and we would run multiple lap hill circuits in a fartlek style, charging the ups and coasting the flats and downs. So imagine a loop you may have near you that you could make a connection for a circuit style hill workout. Another idea is to work toward a blend of alternating long and short to medium hills. For example, legendary Australian coach Nick Badeau, who trained Craig Mottram, one of the premier 5,000-meter runners of the early 2000s, prescribes eight total hills, alternating three minutes up and one minute up. If you are near a hill that crests from both sides, this could be a perfect opportunity. Run the longer or more gradual incline side for three minutes, jog over the top and down the opposite side, turn around, and bam, attack back up for one minute. I recently included something similar to this in my training and found it to be a sneaky tough but highly rewarding endeavor. And hills can provide a great length with another good base element. 10K pace zone training to make a fun and challenging combo workout. I find running at 10K effort, or slightly faster or slower, highly appropriate and valuable in this period. For a marathoner, this could be your speed work, and I'm putting that word speed in quotes. And that is a skill many of us neglect, appropriately balancing workouts to improve efficiency, form, and turnover without taking big injury risks. In a marathon base phase, what's the point of ripping hard 400-meter repeats? Now, I support the notion of working at faster than race pace to, one, make marathon pace feel easier, two, improve both your speed and aerobic threshold, and three, work on a potentially neglected skill that will improve your running. But overall, shouldn't we do this in a wiser fashion than hammering hard quarters on short rest. So what about doing 600s, 800s, Ks, or maybe even up to miles at somewhere between current 8K and 15K effort? I would say the faster you get on that spectrum of efforts, probably the shorter you should start with these intervals. A track example might be 6 by 1,000 meters at 10K effort, with 60 to 90 seconds recovery. Or maybe that's 200 meter jog recovery. Or what about shifting it into one of my favorite fartlek workouts of six by four minutes on and 90 seconds off. The on cycles could start at half marathon pace and progressively get slightly faster while the off cycles are an easy jog. Another tweak you could make with that is as you move out of this base phase into something more race-specific, perhaps hopefully in the fall, 
you could turn those easy off jogs into more of a float where you don't relax quite as much. Or let's say you're six weeks into training in this base and you want to add a different wrinkle. How about combining this track or fart-like effort with some of our hills we just mentioned? So you can tack on six by 20 seconds uphill at mile effort on the end for some work on late race power. Another option, do the hills first. Make the threshold style efforts afterward a real test of endurance. And for you milers or 5K runners, this type of training is an awesome approach for laying the foundation for the opposite end of the skill spectrum. Your body will now be even more prepared to handle the rigors of hard efforts once racing season begins. We've all seen the physiological and mental benefits of continuous tempo running. It is not an approach to abandon. But running just a bit faster, broken into segments, may provide as many or more positive outcomes for you while shaking you out of a dull routine. Another tool to employ now for skill development are strides. If you aren't already using strides, start now. These are a tremendous asset for rate of force development, efficiency, and form. As I just mentioned, crushing those hard 400s leaves you vulnerable to the injury risk of running too hard when you are fatigued. Don't get me wrong, running fast or progressing on tired legs is immensely valuable. But remember, your race may be weeks or months away. Why not use a more efficient approach to developing this skill and stay focused on the actual skill you want to work on now? We broke down strides in more detail in mile 32, our episode on the types of training runs we can't live without. And that's another really good resource for your, uh, for your training in a time of uncertainty. For now, let's remind you that strides are a neuromuscular effort, not an aerobic one. We're running fast, but controlled. Often mile to 3K pace is a good indicator. Reps may last 15-20 seconds, and your recovery is longer than the effort. Maybe 45-60 to 60 seconds of either easy jogging or walking to make this, again, not necessarily an aerobic effort. You're focused on good form with a slight exaggeration towards sprint mechanics for the creation of more force. These are great for the end of an easy run. I especially like them at the end of an easy day before a hard workout. Now you're priming your body for the faster work to come and impacting muscle tension. As such, this can be good to practice now, not just for their own benefits, but also to establish a routine of using them in day before race preparation later when races return. Another appropriate time for strides could be at the end of a largely aerobic workout. Say you did the fartlek we mentioned earlier of 6 by 4 minutes on, 90 seconds off. You might end that with a few strides to cap the workout. As for number of reps, starting out with 6 and reaching upwards of 8 to 10 might be suitable for your base phase. 
When using these the day before races, you might need as few as four to reach the desired result. Also, I like ending these perhaps on a softer surface. End of an easy run, you might get on turf or grass, maybe a synthetic track, rather than your typical hard pavement. Another great opportunity for all of us now is to incorporate the strength and mobility work so many of us neglect on a regular basis. Since we've eliminated the pressure of preparing for an imminent race, there's no excuse for saying we don't have time to squeeze in more running at the expense of supplemental activities. Plus, you don't even need a gym to get functionally strong. I know gym access is difficult right now for many of you, so that's even more reason to spend time with body weight and resistance band strength work, foam rolling, and yoga. You'll find plenty of good running and strength-focused yoga videos on YouTube. I've been using these consistently in recent months. The goal is working on the imbalances and stabilizing lower body muscles that we often develop as runners moving in straight lines and repeatedly pounding the same muscles. Then you have body weight exercises like pull-ups, bridges, and squat jumps targeting the posterior chain. These are ideal for supporting your core and running form. Now that we're armed with some weapons for making this your best base phase ever, the key is selection and application. We always want to enhance our strengths, but this might be the optimal time for improving your weaknesses because you finally have the time to do so. My biggest recommendation, honestly reflect on your weaknesses, then prioritize from the ideas we've listed accordingly. And if something sounds foreign or unappetizing to you, it might be exactly what you need. Often, especially for those of us who are self-coached, we avoid the training elements that sound difficult or not fun. As a result, these become our weakest skills. Moreover, don't try to jam all these things into your week or do all of these workouts. There is no rush right now. Value recovery. Prioritize recovery in all its forms. Days between workouts, easy day pace, sleep, etc. Again, why force in a Tuesday and Thursday workout every week just because that's what you normally did? What if the summer heat and high dew points settle in and your Tuesday quality effort zaps you? It's okay to push that next quality day back to Friday or even Saturday. Listen to your body. It will tell you when it's time to push the effort. And think about how you organize your efforts. Using that strength-based work the day before a hard quality effort might not work well for you. Maybe you'll enter a little sore because you haven't done much strength work and it takes down the value of your quality running day. How about shifting that body weight work or that yoga to the day after your hardest running efforts? Then it's going to separate that by several days from your next hard quality run, but also stimulate hormones through the strength work that may aid in your recovery. Recovery on your easy days is critical. Perhaps the most common difficulty I see among amateur runners and weekend warriors who are pushing their edge and committing 
and committed to improving is their easy pace. They run too fast on easy days and fall prey to the every day is a medium day trap. Remember, you're not getting great at distance running overnight, and it's not what you can do for a week, but rather months that will make you great. Embrace modulation. Keep hard days hard and easy days easy, not crossing the two. So you are rewarded with the true value of each. If you're working from home right now rather than commuting, or you're taking classes online rather than in person, you have another great opportunity. This is a chance for more sleep in your routine. For example, let's say you now have an additional 30 more minutes a day not spent in a car. In your quest for training excellence, that doesn't necessarily equal 30 more minutes of running. It may on certain days, but it also might mean 30 more minutes of sleep, or 15 more minutes of sleep and 15 minutes of strength work. You get faster while you rest, not as you run fast. While running fast, we break down our bodies. Then through rest, we recover and, and incorporate the benefits of the hard stimulus. Ultimately, you'll find value in guiding your training with the simple equation Coach Steve Magnus outlines in Peak Performance. Stress plus rest equals adaptation. Our last point is read, research, and listen. If you find yourself with a bit more free time, take this chance to grow in your understanding of both the science and culture of the sport. Maybe you dive into a classic training text like Arthur Lydiard's Athletic Training, Tim Noakes' The Lore of Running, or Joe Vigil's Road to the Top. You could look at new research in Alex Hutchinson's Indoor, or fall in love with a piece of the sport's history in Rome 1960 by David Marinus. Maybe it's inspiration you're looking for. You could get inspired by the legendary training weeks of Bill Rogers as he rises to running's pinnacle and marathon man. And when you've binged everything on Netflix, go to YouTube and watch Rod Dixon heroically walk down Jeff Smith at the 83 New York City Marathon. See Elliot Kipchoge cross the tape in under two hours at the Ineos 159 Challenge. Then stumble down the same rabbit hole that I have that ends up with some obscure early 90s Irish marathon where you realize countless other people at countless other races have grinded toward the same lofty goals. Now our biggest hope is you take all this information and motivation and apply it. When we emerge from the darkness of the coronavirus, and step onto a race start line. I want that day for you to be reminiscent of May 5th, 2001. On that day, Meb Kofleski, not yet an Olympic medalist or Boston Marathon champ, came down from the altitude of his remote Mammoth Lake training camp, fresh off his best base phase ever, and blasted a shocking American record 10,000 meter time at Stanford University. Maybe you can have a similar experience nearly 20 years later. 
That concludes mile 54 of Seconds Flat. Thanks so much for joining us. And on this Memorial Day weekend, a special thanks to the men and women who have served our country both past and present. We pay particular respects to those who made the ultimate sacrifice on battlefields around the globe. It is through your service, selflessness, and dedication that we are graced with our opportunity to chase our passions on the road, track, and trail. We thank you. And we look forward to seeing everyone again on Mile 55 next time on the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Have a great week.